Hi, and welcome back to the Unconventionalist Podcast. My name is Mark Roos, and each week I bring you a message or a story to inspire you to share your gift with the world. I basically try and dive into the hearts and minds of some of the most inspiring people I know so that you can get an all-access VIP pass to their challenges, their breakthroughs, and the successes so that you can learn from those who did. Today's guest is one of my favorite people, but before I dive into the subject, I want to give a few shout outs as I usually do. We've reached 8,400 downloads, which feels totally nuts. And I want to give a big shout out to United Kingdom, who is way ahead on the leaderboard. And then in terms of listeners from around the world, I'm going to give you the top 10. We've got some new members in this leaderboard, which feels very exciting. Number two, United States. Number three, Ireland. In fourth position, Pakistan. Welcome, Pakistan. Fifth, Spain. Sixth, France. Seventh, South Africa. Eighth, Sweden. Ninth, Canada. And tenth, Kuwait. Israel, Brazil, Switzerland, India, you're right behind. So keep at it. Keep sharing. Keep sending love far and wide. And it feels pretty amazing to know that you guys are listening this from around the world. So one thing I wanted to share with you, and this is something I try and do as much as I can to share the process of actually creating these kind of podcasts and creating this kind of content or or YouTube video channels is that I'm still in the process of of adapting really. And I've got to give a big shout out to Lewis Howes from the School of Greatness because although I recorded my very first podcast back in 2007 and had no idea what it was and no idea it was a podcast and that I did it again in 2013 interviewing a bunch of startup founders, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. It was Lewis Howe's The School of Greatness podcast that really inspired me to get going because I was listening to his interviews and going like, not only could I do this, but I want to do this and I'm going to do this. And so I, I based my model of my podcast, at least the, the structure of the the intro, the jingle and so forth, very much on the School of Greatness. And, and it's helped me to develop my own style. And, and one thing I'm noticing at the moment is that I'm kind of going, mixing things up and seeing what works for me. I tried the last few episodes to do a kind of a teaser before each episode of what the guest was about to say. But I'll be honest, I'm a one man band and it takes about six to seven hours per episode to get edited and, and get it done. And it was just so long that I've decided to switch things up and to do a really short kind of intro, get straight into the intro of the episode and share with you who's my guest and why I'm so excited to share this guest with you. Or if it's a soda round, then, then the message I'm trying to the, put forward for you too. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of you are actually going over on, on iTunes and subscribing and leaving a, a review and a rating. And I just want to say thank you so much. If you haven't done that already, you can do this. It takes five seconds. And I know you hear a lot of podcasters say this. And the reason being is that some of the metrics that iTunes uses to, to sort of promote our show across different platforms is based on things like numbers of, of downloads, of listeners, of subscribers, but also on people who actually rate and leave a review. So it just helps us a lot as content creators. And I know it's free and I know it's it's available in your pocket every week or on your, on your phone, on your iPad, on your laptop. So the way that you can support the show is to actually go over online on iTunes or on your laptop, on your phone, subscribe to the show, leave a rating and leave a review. If you're struggling with figuring out how to do that, go over on www.marklaroost.com forward slash blog and I've listed everything that you need to do there. Now, 
today's episode is with the one and only Bridget Hunt. She's basically a sister from another mother and she's another fellow self-experimental guinea pig. And every time we meet up, and this has been since I met her a few years ago, we totally geek out on health and fitness, nutrition and stuff that we've been trying out. And, you know, we talk about all the crazy raves that are going on about the latest fad of diet or the latest exercise type and we kind of you know talk about it because you can be guaranteed that if it's somewhere in the world being talked about definitely Bridget is, is is experimenting it or trying it or is writing something about it and I've probably heard about it too and so we come together and we just kind of speak about all this kind of really exciting stuff and one of the reasons why I, I'm a huge fan of Bridget's work is that she is just so genuine and so authentic and, and, and we actually met we were both speakers in an event uh, one of our uh, friends in, in common called JP or Jean-Pierre de Villiers. And um, we were speaking there and we met and we instantly clicked because there was this kind of real authenticity around here. Here's some content and here's some stuff that we're seeing, but it's also what we're seeing that's wrong with this. And this is what we feel like people are experimenting on it. And I always remember when Bridget talked about intimate fasting and actually one of the problems of intimate fasting is that some women in particular who have um, food disorders will use that as an excuse to kind of uh, tactfully implement their food disorder without people knowing and I thought that was such an interesting way of seeing it and since then I've been really want to put forward Bridget's work in terms of how she sees things you know she's the founder of Six Pack Chick that started off as a kind of a fitness uh, I guess company but that's evolved and that just involves a, a kind of a lifestyle and a philosophy about life about just building everything from your core she also is involved with the business uh, in in Hampstead that um Sorry, not Hampson, in a business in Richmond that is involved with chocolates and ice cream uh, and gelato. I think that's probably the technical term. Uh, so she's got this interesting, really fascinating facade between both this kind of really amazing treats and also having this great, um, I guess, knowledge and know-how on fitness and industry and as, as a former dancer and uh, an athlete. So, and, and we just dove onto so many exciting topics. Like, I, you know, I keep on saying this, that each episode just gets better and better. And I, and I just think it can't, but it does. And I've just got some amazing guests and I feel so fortunate. And Bridget is definitely one of them. And you want to listen to this up this episode because we dive into things like why are people so obsessed with self-development porn and why do people not do anything after attending all these seminars why diets are simply never going to work and actually what's the real question that people need to ask themselves before they they start the health journey you know why are we so afraid of of actually facing our own truths right and, and like why we find it so hard to just sit and be and then we talk about technical stuff like ketogenic diet and what it's about. And, and, you know, we talk about if, like me, you don't like coffee and you can't drink a bulletproof coffee, well, you can make your own turbo tea. So we dove into some super cool content. I really wish and hope that you get to spend some time listening to this episode today. And I can't wait to hear from you. In fact, let me know over on Twitter, at Mark LaRoost. As you're listening to this, you might want to tweet me some stuff that you're hearing, that you're listening, that you're liking, some stuff that's coming up for you. You can do the same by tagging Bridget over at Six Pack Chick. And we really look forward to hearing what you get out of our interview today. Now, without further ado, I give you Bridget Hunt. Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So good to see you. Like, genuinely really good to see you. Um, I think every time I see you, it's one of those uh, moments where my creativity and passion just sparks up. Um, and I'm, and I, what, I, what I like to do is if I have a guest that I have the pleasure of knowing that comes on the show, I try and recall about the first time we met. And if I, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. and I believe the first time we met was one of JP's events uh, yes. in London. Um, and you gave a talk and I gave a talk and I think you came to me like, 
I feel like there's something like we're brothers from another mother. Like let's let's connect. Yeah. And you gave me a book and you signed it. Yeah, six like, pack chick, like a sado. <laughs> <laughs> so Bridget, for for the awesome listeners uh, tuning in today mm-hmm. who may not have the pleasure of knowing you, um, there's a thing that I've taken from the James Attlecher show, which is basically the origin story. Like every yep. superhero has an origin story. Um, what's your origin story? Oh wow! So. I have two very different businesses. I have a an ice cream and chocolate business. And then by complete contrast, I have a business called Six Pack Chick, which I, I guess it started off as like a, a dieting company. But recently I've discovered it's, it's much more than that. And I called it Six Pack Chick because it used to be my nickname. <laughs> and I used to have a six pack and I became known as the Six Pack Chick. And I, I used to do quite a lot of Latin dancing and kept myself in pretty good shape. People used to say to me, Bridget, how do you do it? You know, what's your secret? You, you, every time I see you, you look younger, fitter, and it's like <laughs> a constant glow. I don't know what you do, and I hope you're going to be sharing your oh, tips with the you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... Right at this moment, I really represent six-pack chick. Mm. And it's not just about having a six-pack or looking amazing. Feeling. It's feeling Mm. incredible. But I'd go one further than that. I'd say six-pack chick, if you think about a six-pack, what does a six-pack represent? It represents a strong core. And I try and build everything I do from the core. Mm. Whether it's a business, whether it's my body, whether it's a new hobby. A chocolate bar. A chocolate bar. It all starts with a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, so two very distinctive businesses. Yep. Um, and one thing that we have in common and one thing that we kind of, uh, we've always um, found common grounds around is our, uh, our self-inflicted <laughs> experiments and self-proclaimed human guinea pigs yeah. when it comes down to health nutrition exercise and so forth uh what got you into um this whole uh, almost tim ferris zone of experimenting with with food and sleep and exercise and so forth it's so crazy that you mentioned tim ferris uh someone recently called me the female tim ferris yeah now having met tim ferris i don't know whether that's good or bad I, yeah i i cannot yeah actually yeah you're you're uh you're i'm not even gonna go there but yes you are definitely a uh, more uh, um is it outrovert? Extrovert. Yeah, I'm not though. Well, more than Tim. If you met Tim, the I'm guy a massive is massive introvert. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 talk about the. Uh, are you are you a situational extrovert? So, I didn't really know much about introversion until quite recently, when I watched a TED talk, and then subsequently read a book called Quiet. Have you read it? No. It's fascinating, and it's written by a woman uh, called Susan Cain, and. I read, I've read a few books and wept, but this book really made me weep. It was like they were talking about me in the book. I'll explain a little more. So everyone who meets me thinks I'm a massive extrovert. Mm. And I think they get that impression because I'm very confident in myself. Mm. So if I know someone, I can come across as being an extrovert. So you and I met, and can we just go back to that sure. story? Sure, yeah, 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 absolutely. You and I met at JP's event, and JP had said to me, I've got a guy coming along that I know you're going to love, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so he mentioned it several times, this Mark LaRousse, Mark LaRousse. Oh, I was thinking, who, am I allowed to swear, by the way? Yeah, this is an explicit podcast. I was podcast. like, who the fuck is Mark LaRousse? <laughs> you know, it's like you turned into this superhero. So we met up at this event, and um, I'd been really ill the night before. I had a horrible chest infection. Mm. And I was thinking, I, I just, I can't do this talk. I mean, I really can't do it. I had no voice. I had a massive fever. And then I got up in the morning and I felt terrible. And I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? So everyone got around me and like put some makeup on me and dressed me and then drove me to the event. And it was in Bank, wasn't it? Wasn't it yeah. in Bank? Yeah, 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 it was. You're right. So we turn up to this thing and JP's going through the list of speakers. And then he said to me, um, do you have your PowerPoint presentation? And I was like, what? <laughs> so do you have a PowerPoint presentation or do you have this key? And I was like, uh, no, I was just going to stand up and talk. Sure. Then I realized everyone else had a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> apart from me. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because you came on to do your talk yeah. and it is one of, and I'm not just bigging you up here, it's one of the best things I ever heard. Thank you. And you did this PowerPoint presentation. But yeah, you had all these impressive slides and it was really slick. But the thing that I really, really loved about you was that you spoke from the heart. So, yeah, you had this shiny, glossy presentation. But out of everyone that spoke, you really resonated with me. Thanks. And I think it's yeah. because you are, I, I identified, and we, we mm. will talk more about this, this self-experimentation thing. Yeah, which, do, you, do you remember what my talk was about? I, re I remember several bits about your talk, yeah. but I remember you talking. Actually, funnily enough, you had elements of being unconventional in your talk, mm. which is funny that you're yeah, yeah. things called unconventionalists. It was so so because because the the reason why I ask you the question because actually I I remember I remember it, it was the it was the uh, the talk I gave about uh, how I went from being skinny yes. to weighing eighty two kilos yeah to doing your martial arts to doing martial arts and getting and, injured and I still remember the, I still remember what, yeah getting injured yeah and I still remember the the um, reaction of the crowd when I showed the slide of when I was really skinny yeah. to when I put on a lot of weight and yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I still remember the kind of um, and I think it's also what 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 you have is around the, the humor, yeah, and the lightness. Because I think one thing that you, and this is maybe a big assumption, but the work that you've done, especially with women, mm -hmm. there is huge um, psychological implications of body image with yeah. how women feel, and if they come to you, they might feel down they might be in a bit of a rut they might be down or something like that so i think you've got this lightness and that's something that i'd like to talk a bit more mm -hmm. there's there's a few things i want to talk about mm -hmm. today so many things <laughs> i want to talk about today i know we need hours and yeah <laughs> and 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 for me to make it um to bring it back to the audiences like we're really interested in hearing about you know what it was really like for you to get going yeah you know what was some of the breakthroughs that you went through and what was like because this show if, if you've listened to the different episodes it's like it's about the real, the real conversation. I think there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of podcasts out there and interviews out there and it's like, you know, it's amazing. You've got a book out and it's like you've yeah. got this six pack and it's awesome. And I think it's great. And I also think there's another conversation that needs to be done around what are we not talking about? What are we most embarrassed about? What are the things that we all go through but for some reason make up that we can't talk about it? It's a really, really interesting point. And it's actually one of the reasons why I don't think I will write another diet book. And let me explain mm. a little. So I wrote a book called Six Pack Chick and I was following at the time this dietary protocol which had been an experiment for one and I'll go on a bit more about an experiment for one <laughs> in a bit. Um, and I quite by accident was following a very similar dietary protocol to Tim Ferriss where I realized that 
if I took the things that worked about the Atkins diet mm -hmm. and jigged them around a bit and did that for six days a week and then had a day's break away from that, it was quite easy to sustain. Mm. So I wrote a book about it. And then I formed a little tribe on Facebook, a private group. And that was the best lesson for me, actually, as an introvert, was that I don't like crowds and I don't like big parties. Mm. And so I put it privately on Facebook, thinking that, quite selfishly, that would feel a little easier for me. <laughs> but it didn't. And I got bombarded with questions, questions and, and yeah. you know... Um, people struggling or people having success and celebrating it, which was lovely for the group, but I found that very difficult to manage. Mm. But one thing I realized out of it, and this is probably why I won't write another diet book, is because if we go back to what I really believe, which is we are all an experiment of one. Mm. You know, you can bring out uh, the next biggest dietary protocol <laughs> and everyone can jump on it. But actually, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work. And the problem is, and the, the thing I struggle with most with women, is they feel like they failed if they start a diet and they can't stick to it. Sure. It's that failure. It's that yo-yoing up and down. Yeah. Why, why do you think so many women, and, and I guess men are now getting into that bandwagon. Yeah, seeing more and more men. Yeah, definitely. That, that's, a, that's a topic I really want to dive into. And, mm. and, and for women, like, why do you think there is such a culture of dieting and yo-yo dieting and all these new fads and diet fads and tendencies and new books and theories and so forth what what do you think is the vicious circle that's feeding it i think we get excited by shiny new thing <laughs> i call it shiny new thing syndrome um at the moment everyone's talking about lean in 15 oh yeah james uh no, that's what his name? name yes uh, uh, the body coach yeah the body coach yeah Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks, that's it. Lovely guy. I mean, if you watch him on YouTube and I've... He's an, he's an introvert, by the way. Who's he a, is he's an a, introvert. He's, he's a situational extrovert. Because yes. if you, if I saw him at the train station and he's really, he's a bit more shy and a bit more quiet. I've heard that from several yeah. people. Yeah, he really is an introvert. But what I love about him on video is he has this, and I've got to get you to do it one day, Mark. He's got a channel on YouTube and on it is this hit, this high intensity interval training workout for beginners which I attempted to do a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I died, okay? <laughs> but what's lovely about him in the video is he's like, yeah, you know, man, we could do this. He's really encouraging and he's quite sort of, all right, mate. So people yeah, big relate geezer to kind that. Of he's essay, a big yeah. geezer. But my God, is that workout hardcore. But sorry, going back to Lean In 15, is he's got a massive following on Instagram. So I think people see it. And think, you know, he does all the before and after transformation shots. Mm. And people look at it and think, well, this is my answer. This mm. is it. I've just got to buy his book, follow the instructions. Go on his program. Go on his program. And I'm going to turn into whatever it is that they mm. envisage. And it just doesn't work like that. Mm. It, do it really doesn't work like that. And I think unless we start talking about the issues behind why someone is really overweight... Mm. Yeah, they might even get to a goal, but they'll bounce straight back up again. Yeah, and that's that's, I think it's what 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 you're ref referring to is almost is the wound. It's yeah. like what's the wound that is, um, catapulting all these different, um, I guess what you call them, uh, routines or habits yep. and so forth. And I mean, take take me as an example, right? So, for example, as you know, um, I love diving into the subject of of health and fitness. Um, 
I, I read a lot about it. I, I've just completed a, a plant-based certification with the Cornell University. So I know a bit about the subject. I'm not at mm-hmm. all an expert in any kind of way. And yet, I have never, ever been able to be satisfied with how I feel or how I look and made up that what I wanted to reach was like this goal of being, you know, in shape and six-pack and all this stuff. Um, and it's like I do all the wrong things. Like, you know, like I'll... I'll yep. Uh, for example, before coming here, I was, I was coming on the train. I was running late to come to this interview. So I grabbed uh, a falafel roll at Marks and Spencer's. Mm-hmm. Now you feel really bloated. Now I feel like me. Yeah, me. Yeah, me, <laughs> me but that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's like I had a guest. Are oh, you going to love this podcast? I'm going to mm-hmm. send it to you. Really interesting guy, Tony Riddle. We talked. He's, he's all about primal living. Like he literally has no furniture in his house. Love that. No furniture. He's love got two it. kids. No furniture. <laughs> so at, they all at, just stand at, around at, chatting. No, they just sit. <laughs> Everywhere, and he's got and he's got a pair of glasses that he wears yeah. that mimic uh, candlelight and Lo- cave light after six o- six o'clock. So yeah. So anyway, all that to say, so we were talking talk about this. It's like so I'll sleep. I'll go to bed at two o'clock in the morning on my laptop, on, mm-hmm. and I'm sure other people that can listen to this are relating to this are going, "Fuck, that's me too." Like, yeah. I've got this idea that I want to do, but I'm doing everything. What's in your opinion going on, or what what are the things that are, are happening? I realized a very interesting thing about myself recently, which was when I looked at this new dietary protocol mix blend experiment for one that I'm currently doing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I I started asking myself the question, why are you doing this? Mm. And I think. I mean, there, there are lots, that this is a really big discussion and, and it could go on for hours. But I think a lot of the time women and now a lot of men will make their body their focus and almost treat it like a project to avoid thinking about what is really bothering them. Hmm. And so I'm going to give you an example of someone that I'm helping at the moment. She's in um, a relationship which she hates and a job which she feels very undervalued in um, and is just not enjoying it. So she gets the Sunday night terrors where she dreads going to work on a Monday morning. And she's very, very, very overweight. Now, I can put her on the most tailored, personalized plan of effective weight loss and fitness. And she could get there. But I truly believe that if she, if she doesn't sort out the things that are really bothering her, the diet and the fitness are just papering the cracks. Mm. And you see a lot of people who have been very overweight, lose all the weight, and they get to that. Their problems are still there. And what they do after time is just rebound back to where they were. Mm. Because of the really horrible, dark, you know, oozy, sticky things that they don't want to look at are what needs sorting. Yes. What's the, what's the kind of conversations that they need to have themselves? I think that there is an undercurrent for a lot of people actually that they're battling with depression. Mm. I think there's a lot of depression and anxiety problems that go on. uh, And a lot of people don't realize that that's what they're going through. Mm. But equally, I don't just want to use this word depression or bandy it around. But I think a lot of people, if you really looked at them, are actually quite depressed. Yeah, there's, there's a French word called mal-être, which basically means uh, bad living. Yeah. And it basically, s- it, it, it's not, not necessarily, um, the, the depression is it's more like 
they're just unhappy mm-hmm. unwell like you know not very uh comfortable in their own skin yeah um and yeah and, and and i and i totally agree with you i think there's 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 a huge thing around people um being so disconnected to themselves yeah and to their bodies i think especially when you look around and look at people on their smartphones on their laptops all day mm-hmm. staring at blue screens and yet there's this deep yearning for connection to themselves and is this something that you've kind of seen change over the last few years or you, j- or you just become more aware of it because of oh actually wow it's got nothing to do with a diet or the lifestyle it has everything to do with yeah i i th- i guess it really became apparent because i was looking at the wealth of information out there and actually people are very well informed you know if you book and go and oh, see okay. a nutritionist yeah most people if i sit them down and say or tell me your history of what you've tried and what's worked for you. They'll reel off, reel off a list of diets. So they're informed. We're mm. not talking about people here that don't have the education or or haven't even delved into some forms of dieting. Right. They have the information. Yeah. Actually, what they need to do, I believe, is to look in. So, and I know you um, have touched on this in the past, But to open a book, whether it's a journal or a diary or on your phone, or if you don't want to write it down physically, you you know, you bring up notes on your phone and just ask yourself a few questions like, what am I avoiding would be a good one to start with. Mm. You know, if if you imagine that no one else is going to look at your journal, it's just for you. What are you avoiding? Um, And by and by what are you avoiding? Do you also mean like what can't you be with? Yeah. Yeah. So for some people, it might be that they're in an unhappy relationship. Mm -hmm. For some people, it might be that actually they're really yearning for a relationship and connection and spend all their time on their own and have lots of time to think to themselves. And what they could do with is some outside connection, whether Mm. it's to go and, I don't know, go and join a local club or um, go to a painting class or anything to just get some connection Mm. because just saying to yourself i'm really really miserable i sit at home and eat cake but actually what i really want (laughs) is a boyfriend or husband maybe it's not the boyfriend or husband you want it's just that love and connection that you want sure so it's i think it's time for people to ask themselves some really and they are tough questions you know what is it that i'm really really unhappy about and let's tackle that first yeah and that's huge you know that's so huge because i think it's 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 I love what you're saying. For me, it's like it's like if you're crying and you try and put makeup on, yeah, you know, you're only going to make a bigger mess. Even though it might look like superficially pretty on the outside, yeah. you're, you're just hurting inside. And I think there are so many people um, who are afraid of what what happens if you stop. So, for example, yeah. um, I'll be the first one to talk about this, which is I'm a doer. Yeah. So I thrive in doing. I take pride in pegging my identity to what I do and ha- what I achieve. So. Mark the podcaster, Mark the video guy, mm-hmm. Mark the men's health activist, Mark the this, the that. And my girlfriend's amazing with this because mm-hmm. she is the opposite where she thrives in being. Interesting. So she's, so she's a beer. And she'll do, like, she. I remember once I, I was going through my notes. I'm, I'm writing at this, um, key, a keynote talk at the moment about um, starting a business in seven days with 100 pounds. Does it have shiny um, PowerPoint presentation? It hasn't got, <laughs> yes. Right now it's all on paper with drawings, little <laughs> bottles. <laughs> <laughs> but it might it might do you know depending please, on the yeah please do some. I, will, I will i will do a keynote and um the reason why i point that is that in my notes she forced me two years ago to which was a friend back then and she forced me two years ago to sit underneath a tree for 45 minutes she originally said i was gonna be there for three hours i was like fuck that i'll be here for five <laughs> i'll be here five 
<laughs> no phones, no nothing for 45 minutes. And I just had to sit there. And I think it's amazing what happens when you actually stop and sit yep. still with your with your thoughts. Um, why do you think so many people avoid that at all costs? Because then you don't look at your truth. Hmm. If you're forced to sit and meditate, and I'm, you know, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I, I feel a kind of kinship with a lot of Buddhist mm. belief system. And actually sitting and meditating is one of the hardest, I mean, it's freaking hard at the beginning because you sit there and everything starts aching and then you <laughs> think, right, I've got to sit still. And the more you tell yourself you've got to sit still, the more you want to fidget. Stop thinking about something, stop thinking about, yeah. thinking about something. And your brain's going 100 miles an hour. But I actually think it's more than that. Mm. I think people find it very hard to just sit and be because those demons that they suppress all day by just doing mm. rise to the surface. And mm. that's really uncomfortable, which is why I think we live in quite an addicted society. Sure. You know, we, we smoke, we drink. I have one of the most addictive personalities. <laughs> I mean, I can't even... I could get addicted to this bag of cashew nuts sitting in front of us. <laughs> if I had cashew nuts every day for five days, I'd be addicted. All right. Um, but I, but does that mean that you can can you can you then translate that to the opposite? Yeah, so it's like can. I can be like <laughs> yeah, addicted baby. To, <laughs> <laughs> to like water and sleeping right. I and mean, exercise. I'm 41. It's yeah. only taken me 40 years to work <laughs> out <laughs> that you can turn it to an advantage. I mean, I, let me tell you this, and your listeners will, you know, people will probably resonate with this. So, years and years and years ago, I tried smoking, and I think I was addicted after the first cigarette. <laughs> right, so all of a sudden, I was smoking 20 a day. And then I came off smoking and someone said to me, try the nicotine patch. Okay, fine. So I stuck the patch on and that made my skin really react. So right, that was binned. And then someone said, oh, now you can get nicotine gum. Awesome. Well, I mean, you can see where this is going, can't you? I mean, yeah. I gave up the fags and then I became addicted to the nicotine gum. Yeah. I could literally become addicted to anything, Mark. <laughs> and you're right. I used to see that as a negative. Mm. But actually, I am thankful for that addictive personality now. Because Is it a drive? I just see that I can become addicted to whatever I want. Yeah. Because my brain loves habit mm. and loves repeated pattern. And when I do my self-experimentation, I definitely put in some sort of habit stacks and repeat action. Sure. I can get addicted to anything. Mm. So I've basically turned that on its head. Yeah. I've turned what I saw as being negative to a definite positive. Mm. I, I want to I go back quickly to when we were talking about what can people do in order to um, get, I guess, seek the truth and, and, mm -hmm. and be real with what's going on. And you said one of the first things was to um, meditate. Mm -hmm. And I think you were getting on to journaling mm -hmm. and journaling. Um, what else can they do? I would recommend people, if they're really, really struggling, is to go and speak to someone. Mm. Now, I got through a particularly bad patch that I had by going to see my coach. And she's a, I don't know if you know, do you know Michelle Zelly? Do you know her? She's a, She's doing way more than just coaching now. Um, she does a process called emotional detox. Okay. And it, it is basically going back and looking at the bits that you find really painful to talk about mm. and, and sort of resolving those. And I think to go and see someone like that if you have some really deep wounds, it's, it's life-changing. Mm. Um, 
when I went through a particularly bad bout of depression, and maybe we can talk about depression today, yeah. um, I was referred by my GP to go and do some cognitive behavioral therapy, but in a group format, mm -hmm. which as you can imagine, the introvert in me loved <laughs> not. Um, and that process wasn't really right for me, I think because it was in a group. True. So I, I got very claustrophobic because... And clammed up instead of yeah. the opposite. Yeah. And then it's the typical thing. It's a bit like, you know, when you go and do a talk and you're, I'm sure you'll know what I'm going to say. You go and do a talk and you can have an audience of 50 or an audience of 5,000. There are always people that spend their whole time when you're talking putting their hand up because they want to say something. Mm. And so a lot of that CBT became people putting up their hand wanting to share their problems with the room. Mm. But it taught me some patterns about identifying where triggers were for me mm. and how to reframe them or how to do something about them. So that was really useful. Mm. And, you know, I know GPs get a bad rap, but I think actually going to your GP and saying, look, you know, um, I'm overweight or I'm underweight or whatever it is, uh, but I think there's a bigger problem going on here. And see if you can get referred for, so for some that. help. Go and speak to someone. Mm. Yeah, because it's, and I, and I think, you know, I'm sure women and, women and men alike, but and I've worked a lot with men, and I think that is such a big, a big shift, you know, for men to actually say, look, I'm not doing very well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I was I'm going to sidetrack for a second. I was speaking, um, I think it was yesterday, I looked at myself in the mirror and my girlfriend went, went in the bathroom or something and I said a passing comment like, oh God, I'm so out of shape or like whatever it was. And she was like, I'm finding it very difficult to self-manage and not um, tell you that, you know, you're beautiful the way you are and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. And then I went, you know, I launched myself into basically explaining that the, um, the reflection I see in the mirror is, is an instant feedback of how I feel. Mm-hmm. Because when I don't when I don't choose myself first, when I don't honor myself, when I don't um, get real of what's really happening, I don't exercise, I don't sleep well, I mm -hmm. don't drink water, and I eat shit. Yeah. And that my body is like an instant feedback. Yeah. Like I can tell, like I, I can look at, like it w uh, give me seven days, and I can almost change entirely the physiology, and and but it's it's incredible, and and so to be to be able to go and see a GP and say, look. I'm noticing that this is what's happening, underweight or overweight, yep. but there's something bigger happening. And that and push. Yeah. I think a lot of people are scared to ask for help and actually scared to push. You know, if you're if you're really depressed, let's let's not make light of that. You know, go and go and seek help for it. Because just what are some of the what are some of the signs that people can like? So you, li someone's listening to this and like depressed, like you know, because there are different levels of depression. There are sure. different wa ways of. How can someone listen to say, say, look, maybe, maybe, oh shit, maybe I am feeling a little bit down. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit, mm. you know. What I, th I think there's a difference between feeling a little bit down. I think we all feel a bit down from time to time, right? right. Um, I think there's a, f a difference between feeling a little bit down and feeling depressed and and i see myself um i was diagnosed with bipolar disorder not that i really like a label but mm. just to explain where i went from there and it means that i have massive highs that are super productive and i could probably like write a book in a week with massive output to crushing lows where i don't actually want to get out of bed sure and that that's that would be one thing to look out for on that spe spectrum. Mm. You know, are you going all out and being really, really like crazy, crazy, crazy and then crashing and not wanting to pick up the phone or not wanting to talk to anyone or get out of bed or wash yourself or whatever mm. it is. 
And I think depression is one of those things that if you are behaving in a way which is totally abnormal, you need help. Mm. You know, if you're finding it difficult, if you're crying every Sunday night before you have to go to work and you're dreading Monday morning mm. and it's becoming a problem, chances are you're probably suf suffering with a touch of depression. Mm. You know, if you're, um, if you're 10 stone overweight and you're sitting at home at night and eating, uh, you know, three chocolate bars and a, and a, um, a bag of crisps and, and whatever, <laughs> you need help. Yeah. You know, and then there's the, the alcohol thing. You know, if you, I'm, I don't drink alcohol, but I've done some work with people who develop an alcoholic problem. But I, I link all these things back to mental health. Mm. Yeah, yes, you might have an addiction. Yes, you might be addicted to food or alcohol or drugs or whatever, but there's more going on there mm. than just labeling it with an addiction and saying, oh, well, that person's addicted to that. And yeah. let's delve into why they're doing that. You know, where is that wound? Yeah, there's. I uh, had a guest come on the show uh, called uh, Johnny Benjamin, who uh, tried to take his life on Waterloo Bridge and was saved by a stranger, mm -hmm. and then went off to do a documentary called Stranger on the Bridge that was uh, featured on Channel Four. Yes, okay, um, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, now. so so he came he came on the show and it was and it was really interesting because we talked about um, something he did. So he d he goes to schools and he gives talks to schools and stuff. And one thing he does is like he'll he'll ask kids, so who here would tell? someone if they had a bad stomach yeah you know majority of the class would raise their hand yeah who here would tell if you had a bit of a headache yeah and someone you know they all raise their hand who here would say someone if you're not feeling very well as in you're feeling a bit down and a bit sad and a little bit lonely yeah no one <sighs> and that's like in that's even he says even as early as like five yeah like five or six like it starts so early yeah and he says it, the, the interesting point he has is that we have um sport education and physical education at school, but we don't have mental education, or we don't have like mental it's health so education important. at school. So that's like a big campaign that he's he's trying to do. And do you think a lot of it is because our problems are so individual? You know, we are all different. We can identify with other people that might have the same similar set of problems as us. But actually, our unique set of problems are who we are. Do you think it's that a lot of people go, well, no one's going to really understand how I'm feeling. <laughs> Yes. Or it's, it's so here's, so here's, here's the thing, right? So this is really funny. Well, funny, interesting. <laughs> I spent the last four years working for the Movember Foundation, yeah. uh, raising funds and awareness for uh, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health issues, yeah. and physical inactivity, right? So I know, like, statistics of men, you know, like, three quarters of men around the world, the three quarters of suicide around the world are men. Yeah. Um, and so I know about, opening up talking mm -hmm. i'm a, i'm a qualified coach certified coach i've been yep. doing life coaching so i know about the importance of asking questions when i'm in that state yeah of i feel like shit yeah and i'm feeling really down and i don't want to talk about it i don't i don't even I, I find it really difficult to talk about it yeah so it's come to a point now for example with my girlfriend we'll practice it and i'll just say i i'm finding it difficult to express how i'm feeling right now because i make up that i'll be less lovable yeah if i do is it yeah, I guess for a lot of guys as well, it's it's moving or they perceive it's moving away from the masculine. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's, it's interesting because I'm 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 going towards doing a bit of work with men at the moment, mm -hmm. and uh, and there's a night um, that organised basically we get men 
to come over have some food and we talk about a topic like it might be sexuality it might be relationship mm -hmm. it might be um career uh, or what have you and what's really interesting is that when you start when you start opening up that conversation, at least in a circle of men, and you kind of, and you you might share one of the first stories by saying, you know, um, sometimes I find it difficult to really tell my partner how I feel, yeah, and that I can't pay the bills this month, and I have to rely on her, and, and I feel like that's some people might say emasculating, some mm -hmm. people might say dependent, uh, what have you, um, and I think we need, to, and I think this is what I'm so fascinated about the work that we do, and why I was also drawn to you and, and, and the way that you work. And I think it's about having those honest conversations because mm. I think there's so much, there's so much focus on success. There's yeah. so much focus on like entrepreneurial spirit, follow your dreams, yeah. you know, it's so worth it. Freedom, creativity, yeah. yay. <laughs> and then like, I did this, I did this talk, right? At this, so it was a community of women. There was one guy in the audience. I was just Poor like, man. yes. <laughs> I was just like, yes, token male. <laughs> yes. And so I'm giving this talk to this this community of women, and I it's an exercise I've taken from Noah Kagan. I don't know who originally yep. did it, but Noah Kagan. And it's basically you, you tell people um, to write on a piece of paper what's one of your big biggest fears mm -hmm. that may be holding you back in your relationship, your life, or your business. It doesn't matter. This is a specific business uh, uh, community thing. So they all write it down. They say pass it on to someone else, and pass it again to someone else. And now on the count of three, everybody open up the paper that you've got in your hands. One, two, three, and systematically you get the same reaction doesn't matter where you are people laugh or go like oh wow like because they we all have the same shit we all yeah. deal with the same stuff and there's this con there's this like idea i have no idea why but there's this idea that we cannot talk about what's really happening because yeah. it, if we do then we're like the plague yeah and like you go to like a networking like i would love for me what i would love to do is you, you go to like like imagine like you go to like a, i don't know a kpi a reunion or something like that or people who who go to like their their, their reunion and people like oh so how's it going and stuff like how are you well you know like ups and downs like sometimes i wake up and i want to shoot myself and uh, have no idea how i'm going to pay the bills and sometimes great you know like uh, that's how i feel right now and uh I don't know if my client's going to stick with me or not because <laughs> she hasn't responded to my emails and uh, I'm still waiting on that $1 million deal that I've been promised by this tech company for the past two years. How are you doing? And it's like... I mean, that would yeah. be a... Should we do it? It'd be a great experiment. Yeah. And y you just you just basically go like, actually, I'm really hurting. Yeah. Because uh, we just... It's such a... We're so used to going, especially these, especially these type of networking events. So anybody listening to this, if you go to networking events, here's my challenge. Next time you go to networking events, speak one truth. At least to one person go, you know what? Fuck, I'm so afraid. No one yeah. told me it'd be this scary. You Can know? I throw in my piece of advice? Yeah. If you're an introvert, never go to a networking meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, you just touched on KPI, which I absolutely loved. And uh, Daniel Priestley, if you're listening, you're awesome. But... um. Yeah, if you're an introvert, and it's interesting because KPI has quite a lot of introverts on it. If you're an introvert, going to a mass networking event is hell. Mm. And uh, it's one of the reasons I stopped for a long time going and doing public speaking. Not that I found it hard to stand up and speak. That bit, I was okay. It was afterwards when everyone came up to you and wanted to talk. And I find that very, very difficult. Mm. I, I want to finish talking and then r run as fast as I can out sure. of the building. Do like Brittany Brown does. I went to see Brittany Brown give a talk. That's what she does. Yeah. She gave a talk. She and was there. She was there for a book yeah. book promotion, and she just left. Yeah, on I stage. that would be me. Yeah, yeah. That'd be me. 
and I'd have to like leave a cardboard cutout or something saying, because, <laughs> you know, I have to apologize for my actions, but just that uh, I'm really sorry, but I'm an introvert and I have to go. Yeah. So uh, what is it that, um, for someone who, 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 who may relate or who may want to understand, what is it about, um, people coming up to you after you give a talk? Mm. Is it, is it the kind of the overwhelming, um, questions compliments energy space is this is it like something in yeah in having having really researched this whole introvert thing quite a common theme is that um introverts are very very sensitive to um touch sound light um all sorts of things okay and often if you go to an event like that, all of those things are thrown into one. Mm. So you, it's not just noisy, but it also tends to be very bright. Yeah. Um, there tend to be a lot of people, so personal space kind of gets invaded, right? Because you're all crammed into a room. Um, and my immediate reaction in something like that is to run away and just open a book, which seems to be really common with all introverts. We <laughs> all want to escape and read for some bizarre reason. Um, is it, isn't I'm reading a book, The International Code for Don't Disturb Me? Probably, yeah. <laughs> or let me distract myself with some yeah. words. Yeah. That works too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a funny one because I actually find people really fascinating. Mm. I think the key would be... One-to-one? Yeah. Have like drip drip them in the room. Yeah, is to yeah. sit at maybe at a desk, and then, you know, I'd happily talk one to one for five hours. Yeah. But put me in a room full of people where everyone wants to talk at the same time, and I I just fall apart. Really. Yeah. So I think that's the key. Any introverts out there listening to this, one to one rocks. <laughs> 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 so what are you? Uh, what currently are you following? As a uh, do you have like a. I want to. I don't want to use the word diet plan, but is is there like a nutrition guideline yeah. that you're following? Is there something that you find that's helping you? Because you said you feel amazing at the moment. Yeah. What? Tell, walk me through like your routine. So, anyone that self experiments knows that it's this constant plan of taking um, taking a protocol that works for you and tweaking it. Right. Mm. So, um, I heard actually Sabina uh, who. I know very well, Sabina Scarlett. Scarlett, oh yeah, yeah. Talking on the podcast about, you asked her the question, are you a vegan? Yeah. And she said, oh, I follow a plant-based diet. And then went on to explain that yeah. she owned, you know, maybe one leather jacket and yeah. she still wears leather shoes, but she didn't really buy into the whole vegan, yeah. vegan yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah, philosophy. So a couple of years ago, I had this awful depressive episode where... I think combined with my natural introversion made me want to just stay at home, not go out, pull the duvet over my head and basically not communicate with the world. I went off Facebook. I, d I just sort of Im imploded. And after I had started to get some help, I began looking at all areas of my life that needed looking at or could be improved upon. Mm -hmm. And whether you believe in universal delivery or not, and I do believe in it, because things happen to me often just at the right time mm. or, or just before something is too late. And I read a, a scholarly article on ketogenic diets, <laughs> and it wasn't ketogenic diets and mental health. It was like ketogenic diets and um, mental acuity, I think it was. So it's a word that I ke keeps on coming up all the time yeah. at the moment. It's insane. Sorry. So I thought to myself, well, 
My diet before had been quite similar in that I was eating a high protein diet, low carb, and a little bit of fat thrown in. And so two things, my, my new dietary thoughts came at me from two different areas. One, this paper on mental acuity, but other, my amazing six pack chick group, my private group on Facebook, which I, I'm ashamed to say I don't keep up, <laughs> but people do post in there from time to time and I always read what goes on the group. One common thing came out of it, which was like a light bulb for me. Mm. So people would say, I feel really, really great on my six days a week. And then I have a treat day. And the next day I feel really depressed. Yeah. So I started looking at the whole insulin, blood sugar relationship with the brain. And then looking at fats relationship with the brain. So what I did was I took my six pack chick protocol and shifted it to more of a ketogenic diet. So for people, so people listening yeah. who um, don't know what that is, yeah. <laughs> can you can you explain um, ketogenic diet in a nutshell? So ketogenic diet was started. It was um, found to be very very useful for epileptics, and it is a diet, and the the ratios change according from person to person. Okay, but it's mainly a fat based diet with moderate protein and pretty low carbohydrates. Now. It's funny that we're talking about it on a show called Unconventionalist. Because <laughs> when I first started tweaking it, we were still in the age where fat was the devil, right? Mm. You know, fat causes heart disease, it causes this, it causes that. You mustn't eat fat or you'll get fat. I mean, everyone was anti-fat. But actually, my diet is probably right now about 70% fat. <laughs> Your face says it no, all. But, no, but yeah. no, no, but it's 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 so funny it's that you. It's bizarre, isn't it? No, no, it's not. That, well, it's not. That it's, it's, it doesn't shock me in the sense that for the last few months, at least, it's been because I follow a few podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience, okay. and yep. so he, he's had a bunch of uh, and the School of Greatness and stuff, and so there've, there've been a bunch of guests that have been talking about yeah. that very specific diet, and and I guess what the gist that I understood from it is that you basically turn you change the way your body. F Yes. uses fuel as a furnace yes. so basically instead of seeking carbohydrates as a way of fuel yep. it then goes right we no longer have these carbs that are coming and so we're going to be fueling on fat Perfect. And what i've heard this mm -hmm. uh, you can you can you can i guess give you two cents about it what i've heard is that it's the big difference is that you no longer have the big cravings of food in between meals where That's you true. because you c you're, you're burning fat more efficiently yeah and um there's there's a, there's a guy i think he's called the Kino Body, I think Kino. He's like a young kid who thinks he's basically Bruce Wayne. I forgot his name. <laughs> he's got a YouTube channel, but the guy he, he's super lean. Yeah, and he says the only way that he stays lean. So there's two things that he does that I thought was insane. First, he, he does the kino, ki ketogenic. Thank yeah. you. Diet, and the other one is that he f he doesn't eat in the morning. He'll fast till like twelve or something like that, and then his first meal is around twelve after his workout and etc. Yeah. And he says he feels amazing. I've done exactly the same thing. Fucking nuts. So How what I work? do, I know, I can see listeners going, oh, Bridget. <laughs> oh, no. So what I basically, so I started the ketogenic thing and I noticed that it worked really, really well for me. And I was really lucky to be sent um, a ketonics monitor by a company. They're a, a Scandinavian company and it measures breath ketones. So it tells me very quickly whether I'm in ketosis or not. And People getting into ketosis can be anything from a couple of days to a week. I and mean, it takes people different amounts of time to, to get in and it. It's basically to transition, to change the way your body functions, functions. around what the food and fuel it yes. uses. Yeah. So it turns your body into a fat-burning machine. There you go, yeah. 
So once I got into ketosis and I realized that actually it wasn't, it wasn't hard at all. In fact, it's very, very easy to eat that way. I then started experimenting with intermittent fasting. And because I'm a, a, a self-experimenter, remember when the 5-2 diet, diet came out, I played around with some 5-2 fasting, which really didn't work for me. Because what I found, and I hear this from a lot of women, men not so much, but women. They use it as an excuse. Yeah. yeah. What usually happens is you eat your 400 or 500 calories a day and the next day you binge. Then I thought, right, and there's a, I'm in contact with this guy in the States and he's got a company, I think it's called, from the top of my head, it's called Lean Gains. And he started doing a 16-8 fasting protocol where he fasts for 16, 16 hours, hours and that's eats in an eight-hour window. That's what he, uh, Jackman did for the, his last okay. role. The last body transformation he did, he, that's what he would do. He would take his 2,000 plus calories from, yeah, within an eight-hour window. Period, yeah. yeah. And I have found that I now don't eat before one, and often on a on a day, and maybe we can talk about some running, but I, I've really got into running in a big way. I'll go on a two-hour run in the morning, having had a coffee for breakfast with some coconut oil in or some sort of fat, go on a two-hour run, come back, have a shower, and still not eat till one o'clock, and yeah. I feel absolutely fine. It's insane, though. It's crazy. It's exactly this. There's a guy, Mark. He's like, how old is he? He's like, s- I want to say 70 or something. I don't know how old he is. He's in phenomenal shape. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he was talking about this. He basically gets up, has, has a bit of butter, grass-fed butter in his coffee, and then he, he'll go for a workout, mm-hmm. strength training. He'll mm-hmm. come back to some work, and then he'll eat a big-ass salad, he calls them, around 1 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so what So what does what does a, a ketogenic uh, diet look like? And what, what would be like a typical day of, of food? Not to get too much into details, yeah, yeah. but like I, I'm just curious, and I'm sure some people listening are. So... It's quite hard when you start, when you realize actually how much fat you have to eat. And and that's quite tricky to get your head around at the beginning. And that's where this whole bulletproof coffee came, thing came out. Yeah. You know, the grass-fed butter in yeah. your coffee. I actually don't like butter in my coffee. So I use an MCT oil, uh, which is, stands for medium-chain triglyceride oil, uh, or just some coconut oil. And I blend it up um, in in a coffee. So I usually have that in the morning and then a cup of green tea just because I love green tea. Then probably around 1, 1.30 and sometimes I'm not even hungry at 1 o'clock which is just, it's really weird when you first start. I'll usually have a big salad with some salmon in, goat's cheese, um, lots of avocado, maybe some pine nuts. Then I make a dressing with avocado oil and lemon juice. Yeah. And then in the evening I might have some protein and vegetables um, in the afternoon, sorry, I'm going the wrong way around, but in the afternoon, I might have a small handful of nuts. And you, it's surprising when you <laughs> eat that much fat, actually how little hunger you then have. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's so, it's, it's so insane, especially like, I know the uh, I know this stems from the old bodybuilding mantras of like eating six meals a day mm-hmm. and carb loading to mm-hmm. gain weight and all this stuff. For someone like me who doesn't drink coffee, what? what you can what? make a turbo tea. A turbo tea? Yeah. What's a turbo tea? So, <laughs> um, it's, it's basically the same protocol as if you were making a coffee. But if you have a blender, what's a really nice thing to do is you either take black tea or green tea, boil it up um, with about half a cup of water and just let it stew for a little bit. Take your tea bag, a- tea bag out. And then, and this sounds revolting. And listeners, you're going to probably weep when you hear this, but actually it's really good. You know you can get cans of coconut cream so it's not a big yes. can of coconut milk. It's like yeah. a little yeah, can yeah. of cream. It's really hard. Yeah. 
Put yeah. a couple of tablespoons of that in your tea and blend it up. It is delicious. Really? Yeah. Okay, turbo tea. And you get the effects of the f- you get so you get the fat burning effect and you get the caffeine, mm. which is great. And you can last on that for quite a long time. So insane. Yeah. It's so it's so this is you know, this is this is one thing that I think a lot of people, including myself, there's just so much fucking information out there about there's and so many different do you mean that there's like yeah. the ketogenic diet, then there's the paleo diet, then there's vegan diet. But that's di- why you know. it has to be an experiment for one mark. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Taking you, for example, yeah. you're, you're experimenting with your plant-based diet. Now, I mm. tried a plant-based diet because I love the ethos behind it. I sure. love the fact that you were pumping your body full of vitamins and minerals. And I'm going to probably anger some vegans here when I say this, but I was so depressed. Yeah. And I think the key was, and I'm not saying that I couldn't have carried on with that. My key the was that I wasn't eating enough fat. Yeah. I was eating a lot of vegetables. Yeah. Um, carbs were you eating lots of carbs I was eating some carbs but I wasn't eating nearly enough fat yeah and I think for me and this is why it's so important that it's an experiment for one yeah 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 it has to work for you just because everyone's I don't know doing the 5-2 diet or you've heard me talk about the ketogenic diet or you talk about plant based it has to work for you I mean I you know 100% and I I tried, I've tried a couple of times of, of going like on a vegan diet and I end up being like a really angry, angry, I used to like <laughs> almost hashtag angry vegan. I wasn't Cause, angry cause, cause vegan. I just, I just, and I just thought like, I'm just not doing any good to the, to the community of vegans. <laughs> um, and I met, um, I met, so Tony Riddle, the same guy I was telling you about, and I really like his approach. He had, um, I'm going to, so I'm just putting it out here mm-hmm. now on the podcast. I'm going to organize a day where speakers are going to come and talk. You're going to be one of the speakers <laughs> and he's going to be one of the speakers because you guys are awesome. And he basically, I want him to talk about the real, uh, the real primal, um, our real primal ancestors. And it's, it makes yeah. so much sense when he talks about it. He basically explains the studies and the history around, actually, we were, we were 95% plant-based yeah. and 5% wild, wild meat. Yeah. Um, and I like, I love the, uh, so, okay, random question, yeah. totally off the top. Thoughts on blood type food diet? Well, it's going to start with a B and it ends in ox. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, and it was written by a guy, um, Adamo or something. I can't remember his surname, but I remember when I was studying nutrition, now we're talking maybe 20 years ago, everyone was talking about this blood type diet. Yeah. So basically saying, if you were a type O, blah, if you were a type A, which I am, you'd work really well on a vegetarian diet. Well, I can prove to you that I promise you it's wrong. Yeah. for me, I think it's just, it's, listen, it goes back to that thing of let's create some rules and get people to stick to them. Yeah. Because actually, if we tell people that that's what's good for them, they'll stick to it and they'll believe it. Yeah, I think. that's true. Yeah. And I, th- I think the message that one of the things that we always used to talk about is around be your own experiment. So, yeah, you know, try the, try the keto. Uh, dyslexic is the worst word ever. It's not a good word. It's such is a it? horrible word. Let's call it the keto diet. The keto diet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the keto diet. <laughs> like try the keto diet. Try a bit of plant based. Yeah. Try a bit of paleo. Whatever it is. And uh, find your own way. Yeah. Because you, you. So how long should someone stick to a diet? Like forget oh, about what kind of diet. One. How long? How long should they stick before they go? I need to reiterate. I need to pivot in the startup jargon. Like I need to change before they actually. Because how long does it take to see results or on any particular way of living? How do you That's know? That's a brilliant question. And I'm not going to do a cop-out by saying it's individual, which was my first response. 
I think it's got to be at least six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Because with anything when you change, especially dieting, a lot of diets are set up that people lose weight in the first couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So that's what gives them the motivation Water, to it? stick like to it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, that, that weight loss can be many things. I think six weeks is a good thing. Uh, it gives you enough time to see whether all the prep work or all the particular... The peculiarities of that diet will fit with your lifestyle. So sure. if you're doing a diet where you basically have to prepare most of your meals at home and take them to work or, you know, it's going to take you a while to work out whether that's going to work for you or not. Sure. And I think the problem is with a lot of diets that people will see, so they'll set up for people to lose weight in the first couple of weeks. Then when the weight loss starts to stall, people give up. Mm. But actually, that's probably just the adaptation phase for something. Yeah. What they need to do is get beyond that to see if it then works. I'll give you a very good example that's not to do with dieting. So <laughs> I'm really into running. Anyone that hasn't run, or in fact, any runner bear out cats? there listening. Is this the thing, bear cats? Yeah. yeah. Bear cats is a very friendly, local, non-competitive running club <laughs> that I belong to that appeals particularly to introverts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wrote a free program on my site for people that hadn't ever run and wanted to run, okay? Mm. And the most valuable piece of information on that free little ebook that I did is actually not the plan itself. It's to try and explain to people that when you first start running, you will hate it. <laughs> it feels like death. <laughs> you know, if you but have... But that's like any exercise. Yeah, but running somehow worse, <laughs> isn't it? You know, a mile seems like a hundred miles when, you, when you've when never run before. Yeah. And I think it takes people a good six to eight weeks, so up to about 5K of building slowly, before the magic happens. But what most people do is they'll watch the London Marathon, which, by the way, is a great motivator. Um, they'll watch the London Marathon, think, okay, I want to run. Go out. Run too fast, too much distance, too soon, and it's painful. Yeah. And they haven't, they haven't built it up in a way that you can break through that kind of magic barrier. Yeah. Which I promise you, if you're listening and you want to run, ping me an email. Because <laughs> once you get over that, yeah. the magic happens. Fuck. And it's like, it's, it's the same with so weight loss. Much. It's the same with weight loss, though. At the beginning, yeah. you see results. Then you stall, and it's that horrible, tricky period where people their weight loss slows down, and they think, "Am I?" They start questioning it: "Is this the right diet for me? Am I doing it wrong?" People usually blame themselves, or sure. they'll blame the diet person that's written the book. And, and before that phase, which is the phase I'm totally in right now, yeah, which is when you start that very first phase, like yeah. the first two to four weeks, yeah. I find are the hardest because yeah. you ache everywhere. Yeah. Like you go back tenfold behind yeah. in terms of where you were before. Like today, I went to the gym, um, and it's just it's just insane. Like yeah. just in terms of, I have to readapt, and it's just that all. So morally speaking, yeah, like you're just feeling down. Like I came back almost depressed from the gym. Yeah. My girlfriend was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "No, I was just like feel like shit. It was just horrible. I just it was just pain. The whole thing was pain." But then when you break that sweet spot, yeah. Then you start enjoying the workout and craving it. And, then and looking forward to it. Yeah. Your body starts craving oh, yeah. it. And it goes back to that addiction thing. Yeah. You know, if once you get to a certain level in exercise, which I don't believe you get at the beginning, but once you get to a certain, and it is a sweet spot of intensity and duration, you get a massive endorphin release. Sure. And it's that that I believe gets people going back to the gym or back to the running track or back to their yeah. rowing machine or bicycle every time. Yeah. Because you're craving that high. Yeah. 
And is there is there a is there a tip, I guess, or like a like a like a secret nugget that you can share for people who they're listening to this podcast, like, all right, I'm inspired, I even want to start running or yeah. whatever it is. Um is there something I need to ask myself before I begin this journey? Yeah. How easy can I make it make it to succeed? Mm. I think if you if you put steps in place to make it as easy and non-negotiable as possible, you'll stick to it. I love the non-negotiable. Because <laughs> yeah. like in the winter, going out for a run when it's dark outside in the morning and it's cold, is it feels like, the night before, it feels like the worst thing that you could possibly choose to do. Uh, and I have a friend of mine who is, she's really loves the thought of running, but she finds it's hard to get motivated. So what I do is I tell her to put all her running clothes in the bathroom. Um, put all her running clothes in the bathroom and put her mobile phone in her trainers in the hallway <laughs> near her bedroom. So she sets her alarm the night before. She has to physically go to her trainers in order to switch off the alarm that's going off <laughs> inside her shoe. By that point, she's awake. Yeah, and you could almost like... And the first thing she's seen are her trainers. Yeah. And, and it's working. I love that. Make it as easy as possible. So, for example, if you are working in the city and you've got a, really, a job with really, really long hours... At the beginning, make a couple of stops where you're going to walk in between. So let's say you worked in, I don't know, Waterloo, and you need to get back to, I don't know, Richmond. Maybe you take the train from Waterloo to two stops away from where you live, you've got your trainers on, and just run walk or run jog those last two stops. Yeah. If you build it into your day and make it an experience that yeah. you enjoy and download a podcast to listen to while you're doing <laughs> it, because that, that is my top tip. Yeah, yeah. It suddenly becomes part of your day, easy. It hasn't eaten into your time, and you've made it as easy as possible. Yeah, I interviewed Tom Brake, um, the only Lib Dem MP that was voted in London at Poor the last guy. elections. Yeah, <laughs> so I interviewed him, and it was it was th he said something very similar because he's he's fit, he does triathlons mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff, and he said I make it an integral part of my day. Otherwise, yeah. it just doesn't happen. I schedule it the same way they schedule a meeting. Yeah, he'll schedule an hour walk to work or, yeah. or a half hour cycle into work, whatever it is. So Make it your non-negotiable. You yeah. know, I'm I'm a big believer in non-negotiables. What am I prepared not to compromise on? Yeah. For me, running really is my Prozac, and so I I see it as almost my medication. Yeah. So that is my one non-negotiable. Everything else can fall apart, but I'm going to run between I don't know eight and nine a.m. Sure. And nothing's going to get in the way. Yeah. We're going to come to the end of the interview <laughs> and I could go on for another few hours. <laughs> um, before I do that, there's, there's going to be last few questions. Mm -hmm. I want to take a moment to, to acknowledge you uh, and just to say how amazing it is to see you again. But more than that, I think it's, I'm still in love with the same Bridget today <laughs> that I first met uh, four years ago. I think yeah. it was three or four years ago. Um, just because there's, there's such a sense of realness about you. And I know mm. that uh, we met in a lot of the community yeah. That we mentioned today, and a lot, a lot of them, unfortunately, that I've met have not got the same. Or at least have not reached that level yet of genuinity and that big heart that you've mm -hmm. got. Um, oh, thank you. And Mark. I love how personal you shared your stories. You mm -hmm. know, um, I've seen some of your talks where you've gone into some really personal stuff and mm -hmm. really opened up in a way that I was like, "Wow, that gives myself permission. That gives me permission mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. open up about my stories too." And yeah. I know, as an introvert, that that must be even harder. Yeah. Um, 
So thank you. You're a gift oh, and, I, and I really value it. you. So <laughs> every, every conversation we have are always amazing. Um, a, a last few questions. Um, one of them is, has there been an inspirational book or like is there, has there been a particular book that you've read no oh. matter what what no, no matter what the topic was that really had an influence on you you're asking an introvert to try and pick one of their <laughs> favorite books do you know what if there was a book that i had to recommend to people in general that i think would really help them it would be the one thing it's called it's called One Thing or The One Thing. Oh, it's called The One yeah. <laughs> Thing. <laughs> you were like, uh, okay, so what's the title? What's the title? <laughs> and it's basically saying in a nutshell that if you... So you, you may have heard the expression laser beam and light bulb before. No. It's basically saying to be more laser beam about your efforts. So focus on one thing that you know you do really, really well mm. and kind of capitalize on that. And the reason it had such an impact on me was because I I guess at heart I'm a bit of a creative mm. and I'm an, a self-experimenter. So I'm constantly looking for new things to learn, new you know, new approaches to investigate. And I have a tendency to be very light bulb. So my <laughs> light beam scatters. Mm. But actually, if you come back to the one thing, now I'm not saying you just have to, I don't know, you just have to be a body coach that only specializes in vegans. You know, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But pick the one thing that you're really, really good at and capitalize on that. And an example of that is, I'm going to use a really weird example, but there's a girl on Instagram called Jen Selter who's become famous for her ass. Okay? <laughs> now, she has got a fierce body <laughs> and her ass looks slightly genetically impossible. But that is her asset, and she has built a multi-million pound business around her arts. <laughs> there is someone who has focused that is too on much her talent, which is her ass. But I use that as a funny, you know, a funny yeah, aside. Yeah. But I think we can all be reminded to almost shrink our world down a little bit when it comes to doing what we want. Mm. Because especially in our field, and I know a lot of the listeners to your show are entrepreneurs, mm. and it's very easy as an entrepreneur to go, right, this is working, but oh, look, that person's doing that, and they're making all this money, or they've got all these followers. Let me go and sit yeah. in that camp for a bit. And then, it's like popcorn focus. Yeah, and then that's why I stopped going to these talks you know, by yeah. really incredible people, because I would get so distracted that I'd then think, oh my God, I have to go away, and I have to work on this, or I have to work yeah. on that. Stick to what you're good at, and really, really focus on that, and great things happen. Yeah. So the w that book is a big recommendation yeah. of mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, there's, do you know Gary Vaynerchuk? Is yes, yeah. Gary V. Yeah, Gary V. Yeah, and there's, it was, it was interesting. He, he was basically saying that um, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't listen to anybody else's podcast. He doesn't look at any shows. He doesn't even know Cassie Neistat, which is one of his friends apparently in New York. Doesn't even know what he's doing. Like he literally does not look at anybody else's material. Yeah. Um, and I think it's partly probably because of that, because of the distraction and also because he's just, you know, he wants to yeah. create original content. Um, but that's quite unconventional and brave. Yeah. Uh, well, in I mean, a way. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, you know, it's really interesting because I'm in that phase of like, I've just been soaking up so much information yeah. for the past, I don't know how many years of just like reading books and or even interviewing people. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a, there's a big, um, there's a big problem at one point where, especially in our field and people who attend, some of our workshops mm -hmm. or some of our talks or you become addicted to self-development yeah. porn 
You it, know, it really is like porn. Yeah, and it's kind of like you get a fix of it. You know, it's like I just feel so inspired. I feel so yeah. inspired right now. And the problem is that people feel very inspired, and it it's very similar to people that buy lots of self help books. Yeah, books are amazing. Yeah. Going to public speaking events are amazing as long as you take action. But what people tend to do, the ones yes. that are addicted to self-development, yeah. is they go to courses. I've been there. You yeah, know, yeah. I've, I've yeah, been yeah. that person, so I get it. You go and you have such a massive buzz and you think, oh, you know, this is going to change my world. And then you take no action. Yeah. And then nothing happens. And so you then go to the next one. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. Sorry, I know we're coming to the end. No. But talking about the one thing and knowing what I know about you, I very, very, very rarely agree to meet up with anyone, okay? I'm trying to take myself out of my comfort zone and do it more. But I met you at St. Pancras Station that time when I decided to walk home yeah. we 13 miles. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah. Uh, and learned a lot about myself in those 13 miles, I can tell <laughs> you. Um, and I was genuinely excited to come and meet you one, because you are a fellow self-experimenter, so we never have a shortage of things to talk about. But actually, and it's for the same reason that I believe your podcast is going to be such a success, you have a very, very easy way of talking to people. Mm. You're authentic. And people trust you. You know, it's a big thing to come and talk to someone about, you know, be asked questions. You don't know what... But you have this amazing ability to sit, put people at ease, and get people to talk. Mm. And I think possibly... I'm just putting it out there, but I think your podcast show is going to be your one big thing. I think you're really good at it. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's, I, I love what you're saying because uh, you know, I think what what it's my my wish. I mean, mm -hmm. my, my my big. We, it's, <coughs> it's so funny. We were talking about this with my girlfriend this morning. We went to um, uh, Hampstead Heath Park. Mm -hmm. We walked around there. We sat underneath the tree, and I was kind of thinking, you know, as one does, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, like the big the big dream, like the big scary yeah. thing, is actually to have my own talk show, like to basically yeah. be the Oprah. Uh, in the UK, mm -hmm. and and that really resonates with me, and it means a lot what you're saying because it's. I think what what I would love to do is to be able to have a platform, yeah, where I can have guests, people that come, share a bit of their journey, and just have some really honest conversations. And yeah. and if people listening to this, you go back. There's a few episodes I could recommend. Two in particular, actually, funny enough, that the, some of the first ones I did. One of them is with Shay Emery, all-star linebacker, plays American football. Yeah. Um, uh, veteran, you know, wall of fame and all this kind of stuff, talked about being abused as a child yeah. and suffering depression yeah. and why men don't open up. Um, had Alistair Humphreys, he's a, Brit a National British, uh, National Geographic Explorer of the Year, uh, has got like nine books out, uh, is a really big name. He's like Bear Grylls, but less sensational. Really sound guy. Uh, came on and we ended up talking about how much he struggles to actually be present. Yeah. And how he's constantly on this social media because he's got this big following and he's got to be yeah. content and and what I mean by that is that I've I I, I I love this idea of having going the VIP backstage pass yeah do, do you know what I mean yeah like getting to the nuts and bolts yeah. of what makes someone tick yeah but you're very good at that yeah thank I you. listen I've I've I'm basically going to do an ultra marathon in September wow and I have saved I've listened to a few of your podcasts but this this is big up for you Mark. <laughs> I've saved your podcasts for my long training runs. And when I mean <laughs> long training runs, runs of over three hours, because I know Thank you. they'll get me through. Listen that to speaks volumes. One, one, <laughs> one, I think one of them that you'll, I don't know if you listen to, Danny Bent? Do you know who Danny Bent is? Is he the guy? Project Awesome? Yeah, that's my favorite podcast. Listen, yeah, have you listened to yeah. it? Okay, because that. Sorry, no disrespect to no, anyone no, no, else, no, no, but no. I loved him. Yeah. 
He's. I want to meet him. He's yeah, yeah. Well, another you, brother you, from well, another you know, you know how to meet him. It's dead easy. He's every Wednesday. He's yeah. at London Bridge. That's great. You just we've just told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, if you're no, listening, he's at you're si- he's at six thirty. I mean, it's, 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 no, it's no secret. Do it's I have to turn up with the rose in my lapel? No, I mean, no, no, I? no. Okay. You, you you show up yep. in your sports gear, yeah, uh, and get ready to have your your socks rocked off because it's just it's amazing what they've done. It's truly amazing. Yeah. Project, big shout out to. Project, Project also, also yeah, yeah, because basically what they do is they do it three times a week in different locations across yeah. London. They provide fitness is the byproduct of yeah, what they do, but it's it, connection it, it ma- it's and like, love. Yes, yeah. you go there, and it's like sh- it's about hugging. Hug your oh, neighbor, hug your neighbor, and tell him that your his breath smells lovely in the yeah, morning. I love or, that. Or wiggle his nose and tell him that yeah. he's, he's never looked prettier. Um, they have like a, a morning hacker. They do like their own hacker. They do this whole kind of CrossFit inspired yep. kind of workout. They hug each other. They've got unicorn leggings, yep. fuchsia tops and like yellow hat. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's so I'll insane. I'll definitely turn up. And um, so go and check it yeah. out. But th- thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, has there been a particular person along your journey that's had an influence on you? And if so, who was it? Oh, I've had loads of people. That's a tough one because mm. I've got lots of people, but for very different reasons. Someone that comes to mind, like it doesn't have to be yeah, like. I'll give the you one. an example. So my partner Kiara is in musical theatre. Yes, last time I met her, she was going for an audition yeah. for. I forgot the play West Side Story. Was it? I forgot. Yeah, she was going for a big audition, and the reason I use her is because, as an introvert, it's very easy to listen to your fears and actually not take action. Mm. So I'll give you a very quick example. I'm not scared of flying. But I don't like being on a plane surrounded by lots of people with lots of noise going on. I think it's the whole, I think it's the introvert thing yeah. as well. I, I feel I can't actually go anywhere and be quiet. Sure. And I was on a flight back from Cyprus in Octo- last October and I didn't feel very well. And it was a, a, a night flight. Okay. Yeah. The whole plane went to sleep. They dimmed the lights and I felt like I was the only person awake <laughs> on the plane. And... I'd never really been scared of flying at all. I don't particularly like it, but I wasn't scared. But it's that weird thing when you when you think a lot. Mm. I started, because it was so quiet, I started listening to all the sounds of the plane and, oh, that's a weird sound. I wonder what that means. And then a funny thing happened. Someone came out of the um, cockpit, but I didn't see him come out. So he was one of the pilots, must have gone to the toilet. And one of the cabin crew stood in front of the door with to his arms folded. Yeah. And a passenger went up to go and use the loo, and I didn't see or hear what they said, but she turned around really concerned and went back to her seat. My immediate thought, shit, something's happened. <laughs> We're going something's down. Something's happened. We're going down. <laughs> and it's that weird thing about how your fears get in the way, okay? Mm. And actually, if you l- think rationally about it, there's no rational thought that goes to it. It's an yeah. irrational behavior. But going back to Kiara, there is someone who, and she's not particularly extrovert, is prepared to go to a casting for a big musical, to sing in front of a panel, and you might get through the first round, right? Then you you do your first round, and if you're successful, you then are given material to learn and come back in, and you usually have to sing that and act that. You then go away and wait for a call. You might get another call back for the next round until you get to the final, and then there will be probably a couple of you in a final. So you've basically gone through Several thousand people yeah. to get to one part, right? Sure. And the reason I use her as an example, and in fact, many people who are in that profession, is 
I think that's got to be one of the most nerve-wracking things you can do mm. is to stand up in front of a panel and sing an act or dance and basically yeah. bear a bit of your soul and be critiqued on it. Yeah. And so I use her as an example because she's incredibly talented at what she does, focuses on, on, on that goal and practices and practices to make herself better takes the feedback that she gets and works on it, but actually takes that fear and says, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. If they don't like me, I'm going to give it my best shot and then let's see what happens. Sure. And I think we can all learn a, a lot from that profession. Yeah, my, my cousin used to be a model and she used to say just how tough it was. Yeah. Like your boobs are too big. Yeah. Your boobs are too small. Yeah, you've your got cellulite, you're, you're fat, got this, you're thin, you're... Yeah. you're Constantly, <laughs> like you, you know, you'd get in your underwear, and they'd just be like, yeah. "Nah, sorry." And it was just like a grueling yeah. profession. She did it for a few years, and um, I yeah. take my hat off to people like mm. that because I think it's putting yourself out there, and it's naked, whether it's in the model context or as right. a singer or dancer or whatever. Yeah. And having the balls to stand up there and say, "This is me." Yeah. I, I've, yeah, that's yeah. very influential a for a me. A hundred percent, and. Um, Tell her good luck for her next audition. I will. <laughs> yeah, I think, fingers crossed that she gets it. If you, if your books were erased and your blog post had gone uh, and you could leave behind three truths oh, that are wow. truer than true for you, what would those three truths be? Um, oh, God, this is so tough. This has probably been said a million times before, but I think the first one and the most important thing is be yourself. So you are an experiment of one. You mm. are unique. Yes, you can take influence from other people, but you hold the truth to what works for you. Well, that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing I would say to people is it's okay not to know what you want to do in life. I think we put enormous pressure on people at school or teenagers for universities to say, right, you have to decide what it is you're going to do. I still don't know what I'm doing and I'm <laughs> 41, but I'm excited. You know, I'm growing, I'm learning. I'm so excited for, for really the first time ever in the projects that I'm doing at the moment that it wakes me up and gets me out of bed in the morning or it keeps me awake at night. And it, you know what? If you get to 41 and you work out what it is you want to do, then great. Mm. You, it mi you might be 50 before you know. But don't put that pressure on yourself to have to have all the answers. Because mm -hmm. what you do at, I don't know, 18 might not be what you're doing at 40 or 60 or whenever. Sure. Um, number three. And number three is... Oh, God, I've got about 20. <laughs> no, I'm going to... I'm going to go with this one. If you want an honest answer on something, ask a child. <laughs> that is like, I've never had that. I love that one. But it's true though, if you think about it. If you said to a child, you know what? Tell me honestly, does my bum look big in these trousers? They would tell you. They wouldn't mince their words. Um... If you give a child something to eat and they taste it and they don't like it, they will tell you. Yeah. They won't just be nice about it and polite. They'll yeah. tell you. But equally, they'll tell you the opposite. If they really, really love something about you, they might say, oh, you know, Mark, you give the best hugs. They are genuine. 
and they are authentic. So yeah. if you want an honest answer, ask a child. I love that. Take take it take take it from a. And actually, I can, I can relate to that. I was I was working with a client, and he was kind of being very heady about describing what he did, mm-hmm. and I was just like, all right, just how would you explain to it to a five year old? And yeah. he, and he said and he said so that it's still still it's, I still have it today. He said, I help grown ups have more fun. Yeah. Or I, le- or I teach grown-ups how to have fun again. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's it so was true. so simple. And yeah, I was just like, so there simple. you go. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's easy. Um, what's one thing most people don't know about you? <laughs> um, oh. Oh, I know. I have this. You know Mastermind, the TV program? Do you know Mastermind? I don't know, but I know of it. So Mastermind is a program where people go on and talk about a specialist subject. If I had to go on Mastermind, I would go on and talk about dog breeds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean... That I did not it's know. Just, it's so random. So <laughs> when I grew up, I used to show dogs, okay? And I love dogs anyway. Uh, I love all dogs. And I actually have a little I have a little rescue dog. But I know all the dog breeds. And I don't know where... It must have come from when I used to show dogs. Because I was fascinated in different breeds and what they look like and... Yeah, I'd go on Mastermind and I'd be shown pictures of dogs and I'd be able to see what breed they are. Is amazing. <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> what does being unconventional mean to you? That's an interesting one because I think a lot of people try and be unconventional often to shock. I think to be truly unconventional often means to swim against the tide. You know, we. I think there was this was touched on uh, um, by one of your guests, but it really did strike a chord with me, was that often we, we want to be led, right? We want someone to make the decision and we want to follow. But actually unco- being unconventional, unconventional is saying, this is what works for me. And if everyone is going one way up the street with it, I'm actually gonna walk the other, the other way. And that's scary when you're younger, but now, uh, sort of over 40 I'm now more than happy to go if everyone is going left I'm going to go right not Mm. to prove a point but because I feel comfortable enough with my knowledge and my um and I guess a certain amount of courage to to find my own way my own way my own path Mm. is that why like grandparents are so angry and they just don't give a shit they just they just say what they they want yeah what would you tell your 20 year old self oh wow that's a big one I was in a very messy place at 20 so I'm just trying to look at the 20 year old Bridget with a certain amount of love I guess and say do what you want you know I I think it's a bit it's mm, life. I was going to say life's a bit easier now, but actually, it's not because young people have. I mean, thank goodness social media wasn't around when I was twenty. <laughs> <laughs> because I would be in all shades of trouble if it was. I think we would all were. I think we would all be. Oh, I would have been arrested. But <laughs> yeah, I would have been in all s- shades of trouble. But actually, I don't think the twenty-year-old me would have coped with the pressures of so- mm. social media. Mm. So, but if I look back, um, I'd I'd like to give my twenty-year-old self a hug really mm. and say it's okay you know you're you're struggling right now but you won't always struggle and actually what you're going through now will lead to a better understanding of yourself better knowledge you know you'll find answers 
and you'll go on to help people. Yeah. And I think we go through the shit we go through so that actually we can help others. Because just to go through stuff and to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, pat on the back. I've been through that and I've survived. No. The greatest gift is to give to others, I think. And if we go through horrible things, whether it's, you know, and people go through awful things. They go through abuse or illness or um, they lose loved ones. To go on and take those experiences and help others with them is the best gift. Beautiful. Mm. Bridget, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been... Can we have a hug now? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. And uh, are you going to run back home? Well. Are you going to walk back home? I tell you. A very I'm, putti- I'm putting it on the line. Yeah. Because I'm just going to put it out there to the listeners. Yeah. Bridget said, uh, I'm going to come and do the interview. And then run home. And then, then, <laughs> then I'll run so home. So let me tell you, I have this amazing rucksack, which I've put in your other room, which is called a riot bag. Do you know what a riot bag no. is? It's a rucksack. It's R-I-U-T. And it's, um, it's, it was designed as a sort of, bag that people commute with and no one can break into it actually it makes a great running rack sack why is it is, is the, the is zips it? are all on the inside ah and i have padded. seen adverts they're brilliant are they? Absolutely yeah. top tip guys buy a right bag um i was going to run back the only problem is and i probably will do if the trains are delayed uh, a friend of mine michelle who i mentioned in the podcast as sure. my coach her dog went missing this morning. Oh, so I'm before I came that. to you, I, I actually ran around Richmond with my rucksack <laughs> looking for her. Okay. Uh, if her dog hasn't been found, I should get the train back and run the other end to look okay. for her. That's that, that I, w- mm. I will take that. <laughs> Bridget, good luck. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did. Again, huge fan of Bridget Hunt and her work. You can go and check out all the resources that we shared today from the books that were mentioned to the different coaches or different resources online, everything we talked about. It's all linked in the show notes. And that's over at marklarus.com forward slash episode forward slash 41. And in case that URL doesn't work for whatever reason, just go over on podcasts, click on the show where you see Bridget Hunt, and then you'll get all the details. I've done all the, all the heavy lifting for you. Just went through the episode, listened to every single resource that we shared, and I put it on there. So it's all over there for you. Again, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know over on Twitter, at Mark Roost. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show. Share it to a friend that needs to hear what Bridget Hunt shared with us today around why diets don't work and what people actually need to face and ask themselves in order to really get to where they want to be at a place of peace and a place of strength. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I never take your attention for granted. I can't wait to release the next episodes. I've got some amazing guests lined up. And until next time, you know what time it is. It's time to take action. <laughs>